1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and download the KDOS 1060 app. It is Monday. It is January 8th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. When it comes, though, to... Today and the rest of the hour, we, of course, have the poll questions. So let's reset the scene with today's poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Should the Cardinals trade down the number four pick of the NFL draft if Marvin Harrison Jr. is not available? And yes, continues its surge here in the last couple of hours. Out in front to the tune of 79% of the vote, no trailing at 21%, a question that we'll officially answer around 1230 today. Tossing it on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. It all comes down to this for the CFP championship game. Final time that it's just going to be four teams in this format and also the final time for the Pac-12 as we know it. So who wins the CFP championship game, Michigan or Washington? Michigan, 60% of the vote. Washington, 40% of the vote. We will answer this question also around 1230 today. And I'd like to point out as well, Bob had a conversation with Scott Eklund, dogman.com to chat all things Huskies and their ride to this position this season. Podcast it, kdos1060.com if you missed the interview. Your calls in this hour, we'll take them around 1215-602-260-1060 is the number. Let's continue uh, with the NFL theme and the wild card matchups that are officially set here and we'll start on Saturday with the Browns and the Texans 2:30 p.m. Joe Flacco he's back in the playoffs this is an interesting little tidbit here CJ Stroud was six when Joe Flacco made his playoff debut in 2008 uh sure. and you know, initially thinking about this game in this contest between these two teams, the Browns, will they be able to have a field day against the Texans run defense? And then also conversely here, what is the Browns going to be able to dial up to confuse CJ Stroud? Well, I think also, you know, one thing we've talked about uh, during the season, uh, at least I did in the, uh, and I think you jumped aboard on this uh, to some extent too, maybe not as, uh, you know, as convinced as I am, but the Browns road splits on their defense, home and road, home they've been dominant. Road, not good at all, quite frankly, and not much in between. And uh, whether it be the Colts game way back early in the season or obviously, you know, the Rams game a little closer to the, you know, in December, you know, they haven't really stopped too many good offenses on the road. So that's something I'm definitely going to have to dive in into before Saturday. I'm virtually certain I'm not going to have a bet in this game, uh, but I'm intrigued by this. And quite frankly, I'm very much looking forward to the super wild card round, which has been kind of a dud. It was certainly a, uh, 
you know, you know, just some of the matchups. The, the fact that, you know, you've got, uh, you know, we'll get into this. I, I, maybe I'm jumping ahead of myself. I apologize. But, you know, just, you know, McCarthy against Green Bay. Uh, you know, Miami and Kansas City again. You've got, you know, Tyreek Hill going back to Kansas City. You've got Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit. Uh, this is a, a you know wild card or super wild card round. Uh, Combine them over the years. I, I'm, I can't remember a a round of the the first round of the playoffs I've been looking forward to more than this one. Yeah, that Saturday contest here with the Dolphins and the Chiefs at 6 p.m. Although uh, I don't know, we might have to go somewhere to watch this game because it's a Peacock exclusive. Uh, the Chiefs won this game 21 to 14 back on November 5th. But remember, that game was in Germany. Uh, also, it was very weird in that there was lots of points, uh, first half, second half, it, and then just everyone stopped scoring. Uh, but now the Dolphins, they're on the road. It's going to be a very cold environment. I think it's supposed to be like zero degrees in this contest. And as you just pointed mm-hmm. out, Tyreek Hill versus his former team. That's true. Also, that game in Germany, that was a playing surface thing, too. By the second half, that field was ripped up to hell. Uh, so that had something to do with the uh, slower track in the second half of that game. So, uh, quite frankly, I wouldn't pay attention to anything that happened in that game. Uh, looking ahead to this one, uh, so we'll see. But, uh, you know, I've been uh, trying to you – know, th- this is a kind of a nightmare nightmare matchup for me. I'm, you know, obviously been not the biggest Dolphins fan during the season uh, and uh, you know especially against the better teams that they faced but you know how good's Kansas City they've lost a bunch of home games this year their offense you know keep people I keep uh, keep hearing people say well they're gonna get it together well they never did get it together at least during the regular season so you know the playoffs start to snap your fingers they're gonna start scoring points and blocking people and catching passes I can't imagine that just immediately changes. So uh, another game, I'm, pro- I'm pretty sure I'm going to avoid betting on this game, but I'm looking forward to see what happens, certainly. And hopefully the weather doesn't play that big of a factor. And, uh, you know, to, to, I know it's, you know, the, the forecast for Buffalo and Kansas City look horrendous right now, but hopefully that will at least, at least change a little bit and it will be better by the time we get to Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, in terms of your point about Kansas City, and at some point, you know, Andy Reid's going to be able to figure this out. Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to figure this out. Travis Kelsey is going to come through. We haven't seen it come together for a full football game. And I also think at this point, we've seen more frustration than ever before from Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines. Well, all three of those guys have been part of the problem. I mean, it's not like the, uh, everybody else has just you know, been a disaster you know, Mahomes has had lots of times where he has had open receivers and missed them. Kelsey's dropped a bunch of passes, and Andy Reid's play calling has been suspect. All those things have happened. I mean, that's not the biggest reasons why they're where they're at and where we're, where we're at this point where we're still questioning their offense. But, you know, they have not helped matters any. I mean, they have not done their part to improve things. Moving on to Sunday's games. The early game is the Steelers at the Bills, and that's 11 a.m. This is interesting here. These two teams have met three times. 
1974 divisional round, 1993 divisional round, and 1996 divisional round. All three times, the winner of these of these contests ended up reaching the Super Bowl. I know that they met in the divisional round, and here they are meeting in the wild card round, but just an interesting little factoid there. Uh, I think for me, what immediately jumps out, though, for the Steelers' side of things is the possibility of no T.J. Watt really impacting things. Agreed, and I don't trust their offense. I mean, I'm never going to trust their offense other than, uh, you know, when they played the Seattle defense a couple of Sundays ago. Other than that, their offense has been not good. And I don't care who the coordinator is. I don't care who the quarterback is. They just have either bad personnel or, you know, they're just, you know, they, there's a bad approach or both. I would say probably both. Uh, so, you know, and, and once again, Buffalo – I just don't trust them. I don't care how many games in a row they've won. You know, I'm looking to, you know, I'd like to be playing against them here too. But if I do anything in this game, I'll take Pittsburgh and the points and weather might play a role in this to take the points. Then you have the Packers at the Cowboys. That's a 2.30 p.m. game. Uh, the Cowboys being at home, that's been a really good thing for them. Uh, do the Packers' defense have enough to slow them down and what they're able to do offensively at home? It's also a storied rivalry, and it also is Mike McCarthy, as you mentioned, against his former team. Yeah, um, I'm most likely going to be in the over in this game unless something drastically changes by the time the game starts. Uh, you know, whether there's some injuries we don't know about and, you know, the, unless the, maybe the Packers get some of their injured defenders back. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, the one thing that concerns me a little bit is the Dallas offensive line is in a chaotic state right now. And even yesterday, you know, granted, they, they got to play Washington, so, you know, I think Kayla and I and three of our best friends could probably block the Washington defensive front these days. But yesterday, you know, Tyler Smith did not play because of injury, and Zach Martin was ill and didn't play. And then, you know, Stephon Gilmore got hurt yesterday too and didn't return. So those things, uh, you know, and I understand another thing I was confused. They were, they were up 35-10 to 10 and Dak was still in the game yesterday? Really? Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, Sunday wraps up with the Rams at the Lions, 6 p.m. Matthew Stafford versus his former team in the Lions. Jared Goff versus his former team in the Rams. Which defense, though, do you trust more? Potentially as well, the loss of Sam Laporta for the Lions could be a big factor. Uh, and then also, who do you give the coaching staff edge to? Oh, that's not even close. Uh, McVeigh. I mean, I'm you know, the Dan Campbell thing, I mean, he's done a great job. And, yeah, I'm usually uh, – I, I poo-poo the culture BS all the time. Uh, but he clearly uh, – they, you know, not just him, but everybody in the organization, they've done a tremendous job in a short period of time turning around, you know, like 20-some years of just awful culture or just everything was awful. Uh, so I'm totally for that. But as far as game day coaching, I mean, this is, a, this is the biggest mismatch you could come up with. Uh, yeah, I don't want Campbell – going for it on fourth down the entire game when he shouldn't half the time. And uh, Sean McVay, I think, is as good a game coach as there is the NFL. Then you also have Monday, the Eagles at the Buccaneers. That's 6 p.m. The Eagles are just really not playing good football right now. Uh, the Bucks need Baker Mayfield to get healthy. That would be true. Uh, I'll just cover the Eagles part now. I mean, we had uh, you know, the rest of the week and – 
you know, we'll get to Mayfield, you know, his ankle situation. And, you know, you know I, I really don't think the ribs were much of a factor at all yesterday, but the ankle certainly was. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But the Eagles are just running out of guys. Uh, they Last I saw on the uh, NFL Network within the last hour, they still didn't really have an update on A.J. Brown. Uh, he went down with what looked like a nasty injury yesterday. They seem to think it was not that big a deal after the game, but you know, I've heard too many coaches say stuff after the game that was you know, whatever. Uh, Jalen Hurts, the injured middle finger. Uh, I have a note here that uh, it's not broken or dislocated. They said this morning on NFL Network within the last like 45 minutes or so. Uh, so uh, you know that's a good thing. Uh, but they also lost several defensive players yesterday to injury. Uh, Swift wasn't even active yesterday for that game because he got injured somehow against the Cardinals, which I didn't see at the time uh, when they were playing the Cardinals the week before. And uh, they've got a whole bunch of dudes that are not available or maybe we may not be available for this game this week. And, you know, Tampa Bay is, a, you know, their defense has gotten much better during the season. They've gotten much better in every area during the season. And Todd Bowles has gone from no chance and he's going to get fired to possible contract extension, apparently. You know, I kind of view the Eagles here in a sense of how you mentioned the Chiefs. At some point, everyone was expecting them to just figure it out and uh, yeah. turn it around. And that never happened. In fact, I think you could probably argue that there was a bit of a regression on both sides of the ball. But also, if you're talking about championship window run, yes, you have A.J. Brown. Yes, you have Devonta Smith. You also have Jalen Hurts at quarterback. But some of the other key players on, like, the offensive line or even defensive line are up there uh, in football years, and they have previously contemplated retirement. So uh, it's kind of an interesting little dynamic here for the Eagles heading into this one. I think that's a tremendous point. I think it's really, uh, you know, talk, hasn't been talked about enough, and I'm guessing that we will talk about that for the next few days and beyond if they get eliminated this week. Uh, but, you know, they, not only have they lost five of their last six games, they've allowed 30 points per game in the last six games, and that is the most in the NFL over that span. Anybody. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, and Bear is repeating, and I'm sure I'll repeat this throughout the week, this uh, yeah, pass rush that they had last year with basically their front four guys, no matter, you know, they had rotation of like seven or eight guys, but they went from 70 sacks last season to 43 this year. That's a staggering number and a huge difference, right? That helps uh, take away some of the pressure on the secondary uh, that obviously yeah. gets you as an opposing offense off schedule. A lot of things uh, are good for you as a defense if you're getting pressure. And that secondary has played literally like 30 or 40 snaps this season intact. For the season, they said yesterday. For the whole year. We've played 17 games now. 602-260-1060. That's the number if you'd like to chime in in this segment. NFL discussion if you would like to provide your prediction for what takes place between uh, Michigan and UW tonight. Also, we'll get into a little bit about the Phoenix Suns as they uh, lost yesterday to the Grizzlies. They play again tonight in a back-to-back. 602-260-1060, though, is the number if you'd like to chime in. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app.
downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com. It is phone call time, 602-260-1060. We have a couple on the phone lines right now. Briefly just mentioned that the Phoenix Suns, they fell to the Grizzlies 121-115 to last night. The Suns had KD back in the lineup. It was 24 points from Booker. Beal, 12 points. KD, 23 points. Nurkic added 18 points and 19 boards the Suns though they lost an 11 point fourth quarter lead to the Grizzlies who were without John Morant uh, when you look at the three-point differential here the Suns were just eight of 28 28.6 percent from the behind the arc and the Grizzlies were 17 of 49 34.7 percent uh, they will be back at it tonight though in LA against the Clippers same old, same old with the Suns. I, mean, I don't care at this point uh, if the big three are playing or not. They don't guard people. They don't stop people in the fourth quarter. They got outscored 35-18 to 18 in the fourth quarter last night. They still led 114-112 to 112 with 249 to go. And they got one point the rest of the game. They got outscored 9-1 to one to end the game. They rarely beat the elite teams or teams that have elite rosters now. And, and as you mentioned, Morant didn't even play last night. Uh, I think the best news for the Suns tonight against the Clippers, who basically manhandled the Suns last week and won with ease when they played here, is the Clippers and the Lakers played uh, what seemed to be a very hard-fought game last night in Los Angeles. Uh, and that game... The Suns and the Clippers tonight is 8.30 p.m. on 3TV. As promised, phone call time, 602-260-1060. First up, we're going to Paul in Mesa. Paul, what's on your mind today? Hi, um, I'm a transplant from Massachusetts. Um, I'm an older gentleman. I've been out here five years, and I watched the Patriots go from the Boston Patriots with Jim Plunkett playing in Fenway Park to, of course, Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady. And my question is very simple. I mean, I know Kyle Murray is under this huge contract, and, and the Cardinals seem to be in the middle, but when is it time to, like, cut the ties and just count your loss? Personally, I've seen the best, the GOAT. I kind of think he's overrated, just my opinion. And I'm a longtime football watcher. I played high school football. I played college football. I know the game. But I, when is it time to, like, realize this is not and, – and right now it's funny. I'm watching the Bill Belichick. They have to break ties with Bill Belichick, also the GOAT. So it's like when, when is it more important to win games or – save money uh, i mean i i'm confused because i saw I'm, the patriots yeah i'm sorry go ahead i'm sorry no honestly, i'm confused what the question is but yeah caleb this is about the patriots you're far better suited to answer this than i because you're a patriots fan and follower no he's asking about if he thinks that kyler murray is overrated and if the cardinals should cut ties well. with him Correct. Preaching to the choir here. I've been saying that for a couple of years at least. 
Uh, and I didn't oh, see okay. anything from Murray. I, I didn't see anything from Murray this year that made me change my mind. He's still an inaccurate passer, makes just baffling decisions for a quarterback that has played this many games in the NFL now. Throws way too yeah. many interceptions because he doesn't dis, uh, doesn't really understand man from zone a lot of run. times. Well, that too. But the biggest thing that concerns me is that after all these starts, he still more than occasionally does not whether know whether it's a zone defense or a man defense and throws just inexplicable interceptions because he doesn't know it's a zone. He doesn't read the defense like a like a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady, of course. Well, or even but, right yeah. now, I love for the Packers. He doesn't read yeah. the defense. He doesn't know a two-two or a three-four. Well, I think, I think that now, we've got kind of extreme here. I appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. But, uh, you know, the uh, that's an extreme from the uh, two greatest, two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in every area. Uh, yeah, Love, I think his biggest problem still is reading defenses, however, including yesterday when the Packers, uh, got, you know, he got away with a couple of plays and they actually didn't punt in that game, as it turned out, against the Bears. But he had a couple of plays where it could have been interceptions that uh, he didn't know what the defense was either. So we need to see him get better in that area. But every other area, Love has certainly gotten better. Who would I rather have uh, now and long term? There's no question I'd rather have Love than Kyler Murray. Uh, thanks, Paul in Mesa there for the phone call. I think we could also probably off-season conversation here. Uh, just in general, though, about the development of quarterbacks and the reading of the defenses. I mean, uh, colleges, you're looking to the sideline for the plays because the coaches are the ones reading the defenses. So uh, it, it, that's just kind of how the development is going right now. And I don't know that you're overtly prepared uh, skill level, talent-wise potential level, but maybe all the little fine-tuned details that you need in the NFL to start right away. So you're kind of uh, feet to the fire when you get started. I would agree with that, but I will also say you've been in the league for four years. You should know the difference. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that, uh, you know, Murray throws some of these interceptions right to guys because he doesn't realize it's his own defense. Uh, and that, that happened as recently as a couple of weeks ago uh, in the game against the 49ers here. Uh, so I just don't get it. Uh, you know, to, to me, that uh, it, uh, I, I, the other thing is, you know, I think the NFL quarterbacks have a huge advantage because they've got the coaches or whoever's calling the plays in their ear, and that goes up to like 15 seconds before the playcock uh, expires. So you can act, oftentimes see what the defense is. Yeah, you know, that's what McVay is, and, and Shanahan are really good at. Uh, continuing with the phone call, 602-260-1060, we head on out to Dax in Scottsdale. What's on your mind today, Dax? Can you guys hear me? We can. Okay, great. Hey, Bob, it's been a while. Um, I don't want to mess up your ratings, but I do have a question for you because it mattered to me. <laughs> Walter Davis passed away about six weeks yeah. ago. What did you think about Walter Davis as a basketball player? He was my favorite of all time. One of the smoothest out of lack of – I think that's actually an appropriate term. One of the smoothest players ever. Uh, one of the best, uh, you, know, you know, wing players ever uh, at the, on the baseline. It seemed like he never missed a shot when it was on the baseline. And uh, right. I think that's, that's – uh, you know, they, they, those are the first things that come to mind with him uh, as far as a player goes. And, uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed watching him play uh, even back in his Carolina days and when he obviously was playing with the Suns. Well, he, he, you know, his his favorite uh, – Mar- I'm sorry, Michael Jordan's favorite player growing up, and, of course, Michael Jordan came from Carolina, grew up in Carolina, was Walter Davis. Uh, I can understand that. If, if you know, yeah, I would definitely – if I were a high school player watching uh, him play uh, – Either in college or in the NF in the NBA, I would definitely uh, you know, he would be one of my. I'm not even a player, and uh, he was one of my favorite players to watch, no question. Uh, excellent player with the ball in his hands, and maybe an underrated defender too. I agree. All right, so I have one other question for you because my other big team is the Steelers, and I love they got their way in. I love the fact that they don't change coaches. What would you do, Bob? I mean, is, is it time for Tomlin to go or not? I'm not sure it's a Tomlin issue, uh, but, you know, certainly I don't know how much say he has on the coaching staff, but they've made some poor coaching staff decisions, especially on offense in recent years. They've also made some poor draft choices as far as their offense in recent years. So, you know, whoever's in charge of that, I like Tomlin as a game day coach. Uh, really, on a Monday through, you know, just as far as you know, non non personnel decisions, I think Tomlin is still one of the best coaches in the league. Certainly, one of the best game day coaches. Uh, but uh, you know, as far as uh, the personnel decisions, uh, he and whoever is responsible for that could have done much better in recent years. All right, I agree. Well, you're the best, Bob. Love you and Kayla. You guys are the best. Well, I appreciate that, Dax. I do have one thing to say about Mike Tomlin there in the Steelers. I guess Adam Schefter yesterday kind of floated it out there that uh, it is fully expected that there will be contract uh, renewal for Mike Tomlin with the Steelers, but Adam Schefter throwing it out there that if Tomlin uh, could potentially take a year off, similar to something that Sean Payton did. Uh, so I guess we'll have to wait to see what happens there. Don't know if uh, Schefter really has a whole lot going on with like concrete, but that is what he said yesterday on the pregame shows. Yeah, and he's usually not jumping the gun on stuff. He thinks he, you know, he doesn't say outrageous stuff to, you know, get clickbait and in, in the internet or whatever. So, you know, I think that's uh, certainly one thing in his favor for sure. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, yeah, Tomlin would be unbelievable on television. I mean, that guy to have a job before the end of our conversation, like right now. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how how many years has he been there? Seventeen years. Correct. Uh, and uh, you know, having been in the room with him in the Super Bowl when the Cardinals were there, uh, I've been in a coach. I've been in the room with a lot of athletes and coaches uh, in you know press conference settings. Uh, I cannot think of anybody off the top of my head. And I've been you know, I've thought about this over the years that is uh, has more of a uh, presence in a room uh, in a press conference setting in any sport. Then Mike Tomlin. Thanks, Dax, there for the phone call. 602-260-1060 is the number. But it's time to get into poll questions, and we'll do that on the other side of the break. Arizona Cardinals, number four draft pick for 2024 ahead. And the CFP championship game, it's here. We'll dive into both of those poll questions next.
Check out the Doug Gottlieb Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point on this Monday, January 8th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. It's time to get into the poll questions. Hopefully you've had a chance to cast your vote. We start things off with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Should the Cardinals trade down the number four pick of the NFL draft if Marvin Harrison Jr. is not available? As it is right now, uh, the first selection is going to be the Bears via the Panthers. Then you have the Commanders at number two and the Patriots number three with the Cardinals slotted at four. Yeah, and I think that kind of leads into the question here because uh, you know, I think most teams, uh, or most people I should say, or most of the so-called experts or draft Nick people in the media believe that the uh, Bears, Commanders, and Patriots should or will draft quarterbacks with the first three picks, and uh, then that leaves the Cardinals at number four. And I think the Cardinals need multiple wide receivers, and uh, certainly Harrison's good, but uh, there are a lot of wide receivers in this upcoming draft, uh, which seems to be the case every year as college football is kind of a you know, morphed into more of a passing game than it is a, you know, control the line of scrimmage and run the ball, with the exception of the, the one of the teams playing tonight. We'll get to that in the next question. Uh, but I would uh, I would actually trade down. I would just see how many uh, picks can you get in this first round, and I would uh, you know, take a, uh, an off, a couple of offensive linemen, maybe even in the first round. I saw a mock draft uh, recently where they had 10 offensive linemen and the 32 picks in the first round. Our first you know, first round of the draft, and you know, including a couple of guys, well, one guy that's playing tonight, and one guy that's unfortunately not playing tonight because of injury from the national championship game. But uh, that's what I would do: is I would uh, I would definitely trade down as much as I like Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't think one wide receiver is going to make as you know, as big a difference for the Cardinals as would be a couple of uh, offensive linemen. And whatever else you would, uh, if you move, if you move down, you're going to get, you're going to get another first round pick this year. You already have the Texans' first round pick, which unfortunately for the Cardinals is much worse than anticipated, uh, and so forth. So you, you're going to have, they should have at least three first round picks, even if they trade down. Uh, yeah. So if Marvin Harrison Jr. is not available, uh, I think you absolutely have to look at moving down. As you mentioned, uh, this does sound like it's going to be a good draft for some offensive linemen here. And you would think that they would be heavily looking into offensive line with the Texans pick. But if they have the chance to get a couple of more, great. Uh, there are some other wide receivers coming out of this draft, too, that are very capable of making an impact in the NFL. Uh, so if Marvin Harrison isn't there... I think Monty Austin Ford is going to be looking at all his options, but also you should be looking at all your options and you should be keeping things available to you on the table. And I think we saw that he was willing to do that last NFL draft. True. And maybe I was a little confusing in my answer. I would trade down even if he were there with the number four pick. Uh, I think that they just need to trade down period with the number four pick at this point, because I think the only quarterback that would be uh, you know, worth taking in the first round to me is, quite frankly, Caleb Williams, who obviously will not be there. I'm not completely sold on Jaden Daniels because he's so small. I know he got he's gotten bigger since he was here, 
at ASU, but I wonder whether he can you know, take the wear and tear of the NFL. And I'm just not a Drake May guy. I might be totally wrong about him. Uh, he's got impressive passer skills, and he's a big dude. Uh, but when they played good defenses in the ACC, which quite frankly wasn't very often, uh, it might be partly coaching. In fact, I'm sure some of it is coaching here. But rarely when he was at Carolina did May step up against the best defenses that they faced. Uh, the masses are on the yes side of things at 73% of the vote. No trailing at 27%. This is KDOS1060.com. Now we get into the game, the championship game tonight. Michigan-Washington, who wins the CFP championship game? You know, Michigan has a very, very good defense. They put a ton of pressure on Alabama. But then you also flip this conversation over to UW strength. That's the offensive line. That offensive line is very good. Michael Penix Jr. is often completing passes from a very clean pocket here. Uh, UW, though, they have been tested in various different situations this entire season, whereas Michigan, they were tested against Alabama. That was their main test. Everything else has been fairly uh, smooth sailing for them. So how does that kind of... uh, work its way into these pressure cooker moments in this championship game. Uh, You could also then factor in that Kalen DeBoer had maybe um, a brain fart in the game against uh, Texas, but UW's defense stood up in those situations and in that situation and held true and uh, punched their ticket to the CFP. So maybe there's some signs of life there for some concerns with UW's defense. Flip that over to the Michigan side of things. They should be able to effectively run the ball, especially with Blake Corum against UW's run defense. So how will UW's run defense be able to slow things down? Um, Conversely here, will the wide receivers for Washington be able to put pressure on Michigan's secondary here? Also, how healthy is running back Dylan Johnson? He's been pretty good here of late, uh, but his health is going to be a big factor here. For Michigan, did J.J. McCarthy show that they could put the ball in his hands and have a good outcome? I think when all this is said and done, I'm kind of leaning on the fact that UW has been in a lot of moments where they've had to have something, and they had it. I'm going to lean the Huskies here. Okay, I'm hoping you're right, (laughs) but I'm on the other side uh, as far as the purposes of the program here. Uh, Obviously, I do not want Michigan to win because I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, but I think that they're the better team. I think that they uh, control the line of scrimmage on offense. They, even without uh, Zach Zinter, their best offensive lineman out for the season, but they've now gone through you know, two-plus games without him. I think that they'll, uh, you know, they also control the pace of the game, even though Washington is not a fast-paced offense, as I've pointed out for the last you know, few days here when we came back last week and then earlier during the extra point today. Uh, so I think that uh, Michigan controls the offense with the ground game. I do think McCarthy, he's a, I think he's a really good player. Uh, dual threat quarterback, makes plays, arms, and legs. And, uh, you know, he's got them all. He's got two legs and two arms. And, uh, but he only needs to make – actually threw left-handed pass against Ohio State for a completion. So I guess he used both arms for to complete passes in that game. But I think that uh, they have the offensive advantage here against the Washington defense, which I'm not completely sold on yet. And as far as the other side goes, Michigan, uh, their defense, 
they, they have more NFL players than any play, any team in the NFL. I mean, any team in college football, they have more NFL-ready players right now. They also have 44 seniors on their roster, uh, which you know, I think has been kind of uh, not talked about enough. At least maybe I'm just looking in the wrong places. But uh, they're an experienced team. And also that front seven, I think, can uh, you know, get enough pressure on the quarterback, even though they've got some good defensive backs. they got three or four defensive backs that are going to be in the NFL. Not all next year because two of them are underclassmen and not even eligible for the NFL draft, including Will Johnson, who I assume is going to be on a Dunze, you know, pretty much the entire game here. And they flip corners. You know, he was on uh, Harrison when they played Ohio State until, unfortunately, Johnson got hurt in that game. But Johnson said last week that he's healthier right now than he has been at any time this season. So throw all together, and I think that Michigan wins the game tonight. I also think it's going to be a much lower scoring game than people think. And uh, I'm still looking for the, uh, you know, if I can find another you know, total, that goes if this total goes any higher, uh, you know, 57 is probably the max that I can, it might be by game time. I'm hoping that the public bets the total up, which it usually does. But uh, yeah, 56 and a half is already something I, I got. I already have some 56 and 56 and a half. If it goes to 57, I'll take some more. I'm betting the under in this game. Obviously rooting for Washington, but I think Michigan wins. The masses are on your side of things. Michigan, 60% of the vote. Washington trailing at 40%. This is Twitter X at KDUS AM 1060. That game is tonight. You know, I don't know if you did this, but I did this. I double-checked to make sure, triple-checked, quadruple-checked to make sure I was reading it right, that it said 5.30 p.m. on ESPN. Yes. That was, is true, which which is very – I did the same thing, and I'm very happy it's at 5.30 because uh, I can go to bed earlier, and I'm not going to you – know, I don't care about the Suns game tonight. I'm not going to sit up and watch a meaningless Suns regular season game that starts at 8.30 in Los Angeles. Yeah, I was – convinced my eyes were deceiving me i thought for sure it no, would be 6:15 yeah. or 6:30 start especially right. when you think about that being a 4:30 start on pacific time so i was uh i was not certain but i quadruple checked it's 5:30 tonight on espn so did i <laughs> yep. we'll wrap it up on the other side of the break here on this monday january 8th Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Monday, January 8th edition of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and of course with the KDOS 1060 app. But Bob, it's that time once again. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else up to the cracks. Also our guest today, Scott Eklund, who covers Washington for dogman.com. Also on uh, Tuesday at 10.15, we'll have a CFP championship game analysis from Pete Futak of collegefootballnews.com. Kayla, you hit a home run there. That's uh, the best guess to get after that game. So we're looking forward to talking to Pete tomorrow. 
Also, a sound day courtesy of CBS, ESPN, Pac-12 Networks, and NBC. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from 1 to 3 p.m., it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster-Beerstein from 5 to 6, and Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7 tonight. Speaking of golf... The PGA Tour got underway. Uh, they were in Hawaii for the century. A little bit of history was made. Sun J.M. set a record for most birdies in a 72-hold event with 34. But he didn't win. He finished in a tie for fifth. He was minus 25. We had mentioned that it was going to be low, low scoring. Chris Kirk, he won the event minus 29 under par. Sahith Tagala, uh, 28 under par. He had a final round 63. Jordan Spieth in there at third at uh, 27 under par. Byunhan on at 26 under. But for our intensive purposes here, our guy Eric Cole, he came through. He finished in a tie for 14th. So that's inside the top 20, which is what we were looking for. As previously mentioned, uh, the CFP championship game between Washington and Michigan, it's 5.30 p.m. tonight on ESPN, and it's the final, final, I should say, rodeo for the Pac-12. That is true. Um, It would be interesting, uh, kind of ironic, I guess is a good word. If the Pac-12 uh, was, uh, was a championship team of the final CFP because I've been bashing in the Pac-12 with good reason for several years because they have been so non-representative in the CFP basically since the inception. You know, Oregon got to the championship game. Washington got to the semifinals once, but they, were gonna, they weren't going to beat uh, Alabama that year if they had 20 players on the field at one time. Uh, so, you know, they've... Uh, Nice rally for the conference here in the uh, Swan Song. Uh, And it may be, possibly, potentially, the final rodeo for Jim Harbaugh with Michigan. Well, I don't think any, certainly nobody in the NFL thinks that he's not going to be in the NFL next year. Uh, You know, he's uh, played this really well, as it turns out. He's, you know, interviewed for jobs in Minnesota and Carolina. I don't know if he officially interviewed in Carolina, but at least talked to them briefly at some point. The last couple of off seasons, and uh, he obviously, I think he actually just turned people off in Minnesota, and they just didn't want to hire him after they interviewed him. <laughs> Apparently, that's been reported widely the last couple of years. Uh, but now there's a whole lot more openings. Uh, as many, uh, even Adam Schefter yesterday said there could be as many as ten ho- head coaching openings in the NFL this year. Uh, usually there's even one or two after the playoffs begin when some team gets eliminated and they don't like where they stand and think they could be better and they're close and whatever. So he's got a lot more job opportunities now. Plus he's got a couple of openings already where he has previous ties. So we'll see what happens with that. But I don't think there's too many people, certainly in the NFL, nobody seemingly in the know thinks that Harbaugh will not be in the NFL next year. Uh, speaking of coaches out, uh, yesterday, late last night, Arthur Blank fired Arthur Smith from the Falcons. General manager, though, Terry Fontenot, he's staying with the team, and he will be a part of the hiring process for the next head coach. If you look at the last three years, the Falcons drafted number four overall in 2021. They took Kyle Pitts, number eight overall in 2022. They took Drake London, number eight overall last year. They took Bijan Robinson. Arthur Smith in his three years went seven and ten all three years. 
Well, in all those years, they could have taken a quarterback. At least a couple of those spots they could have. Uh, one year they couldn't. It would have been stupid to take a quarterback because there wasn't any quarterbacks that really even first round worthy uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, but the fact that uh, you know, those other guys have not uh, maxed out had certainly something to do with Arthur Smith and also had to do with the fact that they don't have an NFL quarterback. I don't think they have an NFL quarterback on their roster right now that should be in the uh, you know, on their roster next year. I mean, see you later, bye, unless Desmond Ritter wants to be a backup. Ron Rivera out as Commander's head coach. Commander's owner Josh Harris hired former Warriors general manager Bob Myers as well as former Vikings general manager Rick Spielman to assist in trying to find the next operation, football operations uh, person as well as their next head coach. Yeah, the Harris thing is interesting, but you know, obviously, you know, the new ownership in in Washington has an NBA background, so they're familiar with him. So we'll see what happens with that. And uh, you know, Sam Howell, I guess, is out as a quarterback, and he should be a starting quarterback somewhere in the NFL. By the way, based on what we saw this year, he's clearly one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL. Not even close. I also have a little side note here from the Commanders, Montez Sweat. He led the Commanders in sacks with six and a half. He was traded before the trade deadline, but then he also led the Bears with sacks with six. So he ended up with 12 and a half sacks on the season, but he led two different teams and their team production in sacks this season. Wow. Okay. That's, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I guess it's a good thing. Uh, well, he already signed a contract extension, so he can't use that in his next negotiation. <laughs> Enjoy the game tonight, CFP Championship game, Washington and Michigan, 5.30 p.m. on ESPN. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp will be with you tomorrow starting at 10 a.m.